Dear students, welcome to Chapter 3, everyone's favorite subject to hate, taxes. Taxes in your financial plan. Uh, well, we start with a few quotes from famous dead people. In this world, nothing is certain but death and taxes. Benjamin Franklin, statesman, inventor, and author. Yeah, good old Ben was pretty sharp, folks, and more probably than anybody else, he was responsible for the colonies breaking away from the United Kingdom. And why is that? Because he almost single-handedly was able to get the French, the other superpower at the time, in on the side of the colonies. Yeah. Very smart guy, Ben was. Taxes are the price we pay for a civilized society. This was Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr., a Civil War veteran and one of the longest-serving Supreme Court judges. We want to live in a civilized society? We got to pay for the services that keep it civil. <laughs> because... Even though you believe that you brought yourself up by your bootstraps, everything you've done, you've earned, the answer is no. It is not that way. You did not build the roads. You did not create the hospitals and the schools and the banking system and all the other, uh, the water service and the sewers. We're all in this together. And we got to pay for it. <laughs> so taxes are the price we pay for a civilized society. And then our last quote. Only the little people pay taxes. Leona Helmsley, a hotel owner, a fashion designer, and a convicted tax felon. <laughs> right. Dear students, somewhere along the line, some crackpot in a Walmart, shopping um, Walmart parking lot or on the internet somewhere is going to be jumping up and down, screaming and hollering and telling you that taxes are unconstitutional. Taxes are voluntary. Just follow our three-step program and you'll never pay taxes again. A little civics lesson, dear students. Who writes the laws in this great land of ours? Right, the legislature, the representatives of the people. At the federal level, that's the House of Representatives and the Senators. State level, we have our two houses, the State Senate and the State House, of uh, the Assembly it's called. And then the city councils and boards of governors of the, of the counties, they write the laws. Who executes the laws? That's the executive branch, the president and all the many different uh, uh, organizations below the president's office at the federal level, the governor at the state level, the mayor, and the, uh, the um, um, you know, town council. Uh, sometimes it's called the, the um, I'm sorry, city council. Not without, a, it used to be manager, the city manager, the city manager, right? That's the executive. We don't have that in San Diego anymore. San Diego used to be a city manager, now has a mayor. And, um, and so now, let me see, where was I? 
And so now our third branch, right, <laughs> they're, they're, that, that they're responsible for the executive branch is responsible for executing the laws, for putting the, you know, putting the laws into place and for, for uh, making sure that they're that they're executed. But who is responsible for for judicial? I just said it <laughs> for adjudicating, for interpreting the laws, the judicial branch, obviously, the judicial branch, the judges. That their job is to say, hey, look, this is what this actually means. And it's not an easy job, obviously. We're still bickering over things that were created over 200 years ago. But every single judiciary opinion has come down on the side of, yes, taxes are constitutional. You must pay your taxes. So please don't be like Ms. Helmsley and say that taxes are only for the little people. Oh, by the way, there's a fourth estate, as it's sometimes called, and that's the um, the press. They're not in the Constitution, but their job is to you know keep us all <laughs> informed and all honest. And of course, they are the enemy of the people. A phrase that uh, Stalin used to use. Let's see. Okay, number slide number two: <laughs> taxes and financial planning. About one-third of each dollar you earn once you've joined the middle class and have plugged into the benevolent machine goes to pay taxes. And so that means for the first three four months of the year, January, February, March, April, you're working for the government. So May Day, International Workers' Day, used to be. Now it's Tax Freedom Day. Well, for many people... It's before then. It's sometimes in April. It depends on your marginal tax bracket, which we will discuss in detail in our in our discussions about taxes. Understanding the tax rules and regulations can help you reduce your tax liability. To cope with the many types of taxes, you should know the current tax laws as they affect you to the best of your abilities. It's impossible to know the entire tax code. Nobody can. Make purchase and investment decisions that reduce your tax liability, but be careful, dear students. Not all tax advantage investments are good values, especially for the little guy and gal like you and me. Example, muni bonds, municipal bonds, which we'll deal with later on. They're great for very wealthy people. And maintain complete tax records. Now, here's something that, yes, we should do. And if you're still looking for something, a non-financial goal from Chapter 1, here's one of them. Organize your tax records. Exactly. Get that accordion file out or whatever and organize those tax records. Slide number three. There are four different types of taxes. The first is sales tax and, 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 and other types of excise tax and environmental taxes. You pay these when you make a purchase. And currently, what, 8% and 9% in National City and different, it varies from county, but around 8% in California. Taxes on property, if you own real estate. What a, I never understood that term, real estate. What does it mean? Anything that is real is attached to the ground. That's where that comes from. If you own property, you pay property taxes. And some items we pay a personal property tax, such as our vehicles, the vehicle license fee that we pay through the Department of Motor Vehicles. 
taxes on wealth. Now, for the most part, the vast majority of us, over 99%, will never be affected by the our federal estate tax, our gift taxes. It's we're just you have to be making now or have a, uh, over eleven million dollars, twenty two million something. We'll see when we get till, till the very end of the semester um, to be affected by this. And then there's ways to get around that if you do any kind of tax planning. And some states, not California, have an inheritance tax now. But this is the way uh, in biblical days that many people were taxed. The tax man would come around every year and, and look at all your wealth and take one-tenth of it. <laughs> you ever hear the word tithing? Right. And, uh, and so the tax uh, collectors were some of the most hated individuals of the time, and that's what got Jesus of Nazareth in such trouble. He actually treated them well. And he treated, yes, he was he fraternized and treated well the two most hated groups 2,000 years ago, tax collectors and, and women. And if you didn't come up with the 10%, they tied you to a pole and whipped you. And So, you know, don't be too hard on the IRS. You know, things have come a long way since then. Interestingly enough, there is a movement now because of what we'll see later on, how the, 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 the taxes have been just dropped exponentially on the rich, to reinstate a wealth tax. But again, for very wealthy people, people who have millions of dollars, institute a, a yearly wealth tax, and we'll see how, see how far that goes. And then the last one, the one that we're going to spend the most time on because it's the one that affects us the most, taxes on earning, income tax. And the one where people will jump up and down and scream that you don't have to pay that. Don't believe them. Now, on slide number four, we find that there's a fifth type of tax. And we put it in quotes because it's really not a tax. Social Security and Medicare are contributions to a retirement plan and a health plan. But... For personal financial planning, it makes sense for us to think of them as taxes. In fact, they are often called payroll taxes. But you're paying into a system, and we're not going to discuss the merits or demerits thereof of these two systems. They've been, for the most part, nothing's perfect, folks, but they've been actually very uh, successful. There are problems with both, both, mostly Medicare, not because of Medicare's fault, but just because healthcare is eating us alive. So it's about 8%, a little less, 7.65%, but we're going to just use 8% to make life easier. And if you're self-unemployed, I'm sorry, <laughs> self-employed, you have to pay almost twice this much. Why? Because I know you don't like your boss, probably with good reason, but every dollar that you pay to Social Security and Medicare, your boss matches that dollar. So if you're self-employed, you're your own boss, and you have to pay that extra amount. Now, that amount that the boss pays or you pay if you're unemployed, I'm sorry, self-employed, <laughs> is uh, tax deductible. So it's not quite twice, but, it, but it's, that's, you get the idea, right? So these are the taxes we're going to um, concern ourselves with for the most part, the income tax and the payroll taxes, Social Security, Medicare. And so 
On slide number five, we ask the question, how much does it really cost? What are the effects of taxes? Well, you walk into Worst Buy, I'm, I'm sorry, Best Buy, and you just have to have that $299 stereo or whatever it is, um, a handheld device or whatever. It's $299, and you give the clerk $299, and you walk, you know, wait a minute, you still have to pay sales tax, right? So let's say we pay 8% sales tax. So that means our out-of-pocket expense is $322.92, and maybe we have to pay an environmental fee, too, so that might add a little bit, too. But let's keep it easy. $322.92. So that's how much it really costs us, right, dears? No, actually, no. Well, it depends. If somebody gave us that money, yeah, that's how much it cost us. But if we had to earn that money before we were able to buy that device, we had to pay federal and state income taxes depending on our marginal tax rate. And I know you're going to do your best to forget what the marginal tax rate is because you're not interested in it and it's kind of a nebulous subject, but it's not. It's very important. And the problem with it is that it changes depending on how much money you make. When when you have entered the middle class, whatever that is, once your income has risen to the level where you're uh, considered middle class, there's a great probability that you're in the 22% tax bracket. Now, for many years it was 28% before that. It, I'm sorry, for many years it was 25%. Before that it was 28%. But the recent tax cuts have dropped it to 22%. So that means you had to make an additional $112.14 to pay Uncle Sam. And then you also had to earn an additional $35.68 to pay Uncle Cal. So you have two partners in this, Uncle Sam and Uncle Cal, and they both have their hands in your pockets. Now, the marginal tax rate at the California level is not 7%. It doesn't match the 22%. There's four, six, eight, so it, they, they, it, we'll just use seven just to make life easier. But you, the rate, the mar, the brackets don't match, so the rates are different depending on who you are. Again, it's it's one of the things that makes marginal tax uh, rates difficult for people because they they change from person to person. But you had to earn an additional one hundred forty-seven dollars and eighty-two cents. Now, did you write a check to the feds, to the state of California? No, they took it out of your paycheck. And you know this, right? You, If you've had a job and you get your paycheck, you've seen, you have seen that they have withheld taxes. So, so far, it's cost us $470.74, but don't forget the Social Security and Medicare, which... 7.65%, which is about $39. So we had to pay into the Social Security Medicare system an extra $39. So that stereo cost us $509.74. Did you think about that when you just had to have that device? Will you think about it now? I hope so. And so here's the calculation on slide number six. You take your out-of-pocket expense and divide that by 1 minus your marginal tax rate. And again, your marginal tax rate, which we will delve into in depth in our next presentation, depends on who you are and how much money you make. 
So if you're in the 22% tax bracket in the feds, the 7% California, which doesn't exist, but let's use it for this example. And then 7.65% for the Social Security Medicare. If you do this calculation, add those three up, those three tax rates, first before you then subtract one minus them, because the one represents 100%, right? If we, in other words, you math fans, if we didn't pay any taxes, zero plus zero plus zero, it would be 322.92, the out-of-pocket expense, divided by one, and you divide anything by one, you get the same number. Okay? You thought I was exaggerating, didn't you? And as your marginal tax rates go up, you're going to find so does your actual expense. And this is why people who are making a lot of money complain bitterly <laughs> about taxes because all of a sudden they're realizing that, hey, I'm paying a lot of my dollar, every one of my dollars, a lot of it's going to the, to the government. Now, is there anything you can do about this, dear students? I mean, really, what can you do? You can, um, I don't know, work under the table, right? Not, well, that's not legal. And your employer is certainly can get in a hell of a lot more trouble than you can. You could um, um, maybe go off on a deserted island and, and have your own uh, country, your own system of economics, but then you got to feed, clothe, and shelter yourself and eat the bit of food that you found that you think is not poisonous and protect yourself somehow. And then, oh my goodness, what if you need that medicine that you don't know how to create? You see, taxes are the <laughs> the reason, the, the privilege of living in a civilized society. And you hear people complain bitterly about taxes, and yet they're the first person to scream and holler when something goes wrong. Why isn't the government doing something about this? Because it costs money. <laughs> or they put their hand over their hearts, or they salute when that aircraft carrier goes floating by. Do you realize how much it costs to keep that thing just floating at the dock, let alone taking it to the Persian Gulf? Right, exactly. The, yes, taxes. We live in a civilized society. Deaths and taxes. We pay our taxes. And so go ahead and grumble, but realize that taxes are also what are um, how Southwestern is offering you this class. Think about it. Slide number seven. <clears throat> Who must file? Well, Actually, if you don't make a whole lot of money, you don't really have to file. And there's some other cases where you don't have to file. But in reality, everyone should file. If only to get a refund or if you qualify for the earned income credit, if you make a little bit of money and you have kids. Because, folks, the IRS is not going to call you up <laughs> and say, hey, hey, Fred, uh, you supposed to get a refund, but you won't get it unless you refile. Yeah, they're not going to do that. So if you have made over $12,200 if you're single or $24,400, notice it's twice as much, married, and then there's head of household and a couple others we'll deal with later on, um, you should file. But in reality, everyone, everyone should file. Now, what are the five filing status categories? A single or legally separated, 
married filing jointly or married filing separately. Now, normally, if you're married, you want to file jointly. There's a few situations where you may want to file separately, but normally you file separately because there are knives involved and court orders and epithets being thrown around. So if you're on speaking terms with your <coughs> spouse, you want to file jointly for the most part. Now, what happens? If you have a child and you're single, you could be head of household. And that's in sort of in between. You can't, both parents can't be head of household. So you have to figure that one out. And then if your spouse passes away, I think you get two years. I think it's two years to be a qualified widower or wid uh, widow. And basically they treat you like you're still married until a couple of years. And then they treat you like you're single. Okay. So, uh, Everyone should file. Slide number eight. Which tax record should you keep? Well, <laughs> I say keep everything, right? Tax forms, instructions, booklets. Of course, a lot of it you download as PDF. Copy of the previous return always helps. The W-2s, the 1099s, the 1098s. What are those? Uh, interest uh, that you've earned or self-employment you've made or interest you've paid investment business expense documents receipts documentation how long slide number nine should you keep tax records well most people will tell you three years right the irs says three years from the date the return was due or filed or two years from the date the tax was paid whatever whichever is longer so in other words if you if you miss the year and you had to go into the next year or the end of the year you have to wait two years after that but normally three years uh but then the irs also says you should keep some records longer but they don't say which records and they don't say how long Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, right. So I say keep them forever. But that's an issue, isn't it? We have IRS records going back many years, and they're in boxes stored away. And I always look at them and think, maybe I should scan those puppies in and store them away digitally and shred them all. And then I lay down and take a nap, lie down and take a nap, because <laughs> I just don't want to think about it. So um, you decide how long you're going to keep them. Okay, slide number 10. Now, as we go through our next presentation, we're going to literally walk through a typical uh, tax return for a, a homeowner uh, with a mortgage interest. Uh, if you don't really have mortgage interests, really, it's not going to be as difficult. And what you'll find, I hope, is that it's not as difficult as it as it um as people make it out to be. However, there are places where you just people see something and get completely confused. But what they what the Republicans did at the end of 2017 is they introduced many changes to the tax code. And many were politically divisive and literally hurt states that are prim primarily democratic, which is, you know, kind of divisive, huh? <laughs> right? <laughs> kind of cruel. Uh, the tax cuts go overwhelmingly to the rich, anywhere from 62 to 83 percent, go to the top one percent. And so far, it's increased the deficit about one or two trillion dollars. And by the end, who knows? You know, it, it's hard to know because the numbers are just so large. But uh, the the 
the Republicans said it was going to pay for itself. That was total malarkey. It was just absolute untrue, absolutely untrue. And uh, now, of course, the deficit is just exploding because of COVID. But uh, the corporate tax cuts were permanent, but the individual tax cuts phase out after 2025. Right. And so by 2027, unless things change, which, of course, they will, approximately 53% of individuals will pay more taxes than they did in 2017. The corporate tax rates were slashed from a tax high of 37%, which is what the highest tax for individuals is, down to 21%. And this was ballyhooed as a way to uh, for the, the, uh, the corporations to go out and, and invest and pay more in wages and and the truth is that it was disproportionately given to the shareholders in the form of excess in additional dividends and share buybacks. So, folks, it pays to be rich. What can I say? And I apologize for the politics, but, you know, I'm just reporting. How can I say? Um, we're going to see how the, uh, the some of the tax reform was specifically designed to hurt California and Northeast, Boston, New York, uh, Philadelphia, Washington and Chicago, the typical Democrat areas, and uh, and we'll see what the republic the Republicans have had a bit of a, a comeuppance because of that. So when we come back, we want you to have the first tax exercise either printed out or on the screen, easy for you to get. We'll bounce back and forth in the presentation, but it, it really is important for you to have this uh, easy for you to sit and think about because it, as, at first it's very, as we said, it's a very uh, uh, scary thing uh, to some people. But once you've done it a few times, once you've gone through the first tax exercise a couple times and go through the tax second tax exercise and then the assignment, you'll go, oh, this isn't really that hard. Until it is, until you get into something where you have no idea, and then you have to call the, the big guns to take care of those. But for the most of us, no, it's not that hard. Okay, so we'll see you on our next presentation. Get that first tax exercise out, and uh, get ready to put your thinking cap on, folks, because we're going to go through that typical tax return for the homeowner. See ya.